Praise the Lord, Gateway Church. God is, God is a faithful God. He is an awesome God as we reflect on the songs that we sang together um, in the fact that God is holy, that we need his mercy for what we have done. We sin continually. And at the same time, we want God to speak to us. You know, it's not about us, it's not about me, but we want God's word to lead us. And I was also reflecting as I was preparing for this on how awesome of leadership we have in this church. Um, you know, they take the time to pour over their sermon prep, and it's not easy. Pastor Rod gave us these assignments in March, and we have been faithfully studying diligently, and it is no easy task. So you guys are blessed to have each and every elder and Pastor Rod as well to open up God's word and learn from it and be shaped and fashioned to be like his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, without a further ado, I would like to invite you all to stand to your feet as we read through Psalm chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. The word of the Lord is pure. The faithful have vanished. To the choir master, according to the Sheminith, a psalm of David. Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone. For the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor. With flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us? And because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. Let us pray. Father, we come before you uh, this morning, giving you the glory and the honor that is due unto your name. Uh, just praying right now that you would use me as a mouthpiece to proclaim your gospel, to pro proclaim the word of God, that we would become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, that we would understand how the wicked lives and how the godly should live, and that we would leave here encouraged and have an example of what we should follow, how we should apply the gospel in our lives. And we are grateful to give you the glory and the adoration, and we humble ourselves before you. May you use me to proclaim your text faithfully, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all take your seats. Have you all considered how the worldview of our society has changed generationally? Starting with the baby boomers, 
from 1946 to 1964, Gen X from 1965 to 1980, the Millennials, 1981 to 1996, which is my generation, Generation Z from 1997 to 2012, and finally, Generation Alpha, 2010 to 2024. If we focus on the baby boomer generation, people generally value relationships, they are goal-oriented, they are confident and hardworking, they always strive to fix problems themselves, and additionally, 69% of baby boomers said that they believe in God and that marriage is supposed to last indefinitely. Skipping to Generation Z, people value technology, social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You guys all know that. And they spend 15.4 hours a week on their cell phones. Most of Gen Z does not want to get married. They believe that truth is not absolute, and they lead towards moral relativism. What is right and wrong to you doesn't make it right and wrong to someone else. For example, only 34% of Gen Z believes that lying is morally wrong, and only 4% have a biblical worldview. Can you see the horrendous differences with this short list of comparisons ranging from people born in 1946 to 2012? Focusing on lying alone, 54% of baby boomers believe that it is wrong, but only 34% of Gen Z believes that it's wrong. That is a 20% difference, church family. 10% of baby boomers have a biblical worldview compared to Gen Z at 4%, which is a 6% difference. Forwarding to Generation Alpha from 2010 to 2024, pretty much all of our kids up to age 12 in our congregation were born with technology at their fingertips and an iPad or tablet in hand. There are benefits to the advance of technology, but on the other hand, this has sadly made access to pornography effortless. Other negative affairs that are prominent during the alpha generation include the legalizing of same-sex marriage in June 26, 2015, the rate of abortions reported in the United States from 2000, in 2019 was 630,000 abortions. And we all know that Roe versus Wade was overturned on Friday, June 24th. The godly give God praise that abortion has been banned. However, the wicked curse God because they don't have the freedom to murder God's creation anymore. It is customary to get sex reassignment surgery based on what one feels. And there are 78 gender pronouns. This is the climate of what we live in today, which boils down to a distortion of God's truth and original design. We are living in a generation of lies. And as lies increase and as lies abound, it seems as if God's word is non-existent. And in many ways, it feels like God's people have vanished.
Godly character is decaying in this world, and it is rooted in sin and a result of sin. As we consider these facts, consume the media, also known as fake news, that many news channels broadcast about and allow these sad realities to affect our emotions, we are, allowed, we are led to shout, help, save me, Lord. And my proposition is as follows. Because the world is full of liars, we ought to hold fast to God's pure word. Let me say that again. Because the world is full of liars, we ought to hold fast to God's pure word. This is a perfect segue into Psalm 12. The stage is set. We have a present day understanding of what David similarly was irate about as he observed the world around him. First and foremost, Psalm 12 is one of lament. Merriam-Webster even defines lament as wailing, expression of sorrow, strong regret, or crying out in grief. So we know now how David is feeling as he is writing about Psalm 12, as he's expressing what he is experiencing. And that brings me to my first point, that David was pursuing Yahweh amid wicked speech. Psalm 12, verse 1 says, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished among the children of man. Other translations like the NASB and NIV start verse 1 with the word help. We can learn something from David, a man after God's own heart, in the way that he chooses to lament out to Yahweh for help. He does not complain to a family member or even to his best friend, but he complains and cries out to Yahweh. In the day and age in which we live in, many would quickly post all of their feelings on social media before even thinking about God. And may I ask a question, church? Is social media the first place that we should run to in trying times? And will we really receive the help that we need? Verse 1 goes on to read, For the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished among the children of man. David is using hyperbole as he surveys his surroundings and even though all the godly may not have literally vanished, David surely feels like he is the only godly person remaining. How many times do we use hyperbole when we're impatient? We say things like, this is taking forever. Our children shout, you don't love me, you hate me, when we discipline them, when in fact we discipline them because we love them. And as everyone is famished sitting here in the pews as I'm speaking, you're thinking, I'm so hungry, I could eat a horse. <laughs> this is a result of allowing our emotions to depict reality or cause us to over-exaggerate. And furthermore, as people celebrate the LGBTIQA+, I don't even know what it is anymore, they celebrate it this month. The San Francisco Pride Parade is actually going on today. They flaunt their pride using God's rainbow 
as a flag to celebrate their sin. You may feel like as if you are the last Christian standing. And you may feel, and that's how David felt. He felt like he was the last one standing. Especially if you have a secular occupation and you receive emails that remind you that June is Pride Month. Get involved. Support it. We will have free lunch for everyone. Drinks and even dessert. March is Women's Month. And to top it all off, your average person can't even define what a woman is. Let's not forget that masculinity has been defined as toxic by society, so men can't even be men anymore. Psalm 12, verse 2 says, Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. This verse illustrates that David notices that lies are exchanged continually and regularly among neighbors. They flatter to one another and tell each other what they want to hear. Maybe the neighbor's lawn really isn't that great, but still they say, wow, what a beautiful landscape you have. Or they say, what a nice car that you have with covetousness and envy in their hearts. They have double hearts, friends. To your face they are kind, but their hearts have ulterior motives. Do not be surprised. These are all traits of Satan himself. In John 8, it reads, You are of the father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of lies. And in this verse, Jesus was rebuking the Jews about how they would not follow him or even obey his word. This is a reason why seeker-sensitive churches that teach the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel are actually very successful. They attract the world because they tell people what they want to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3-4 through 4 reads, the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This is what David is observing. He feels as if everyone is serving the devil and they are following their wicked hearts instead of Yahweh. The sad thing is that David is not only talking about unbelievers, but he's also talking about believers. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 through 10 reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind, and give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. The world says things like, follow your heart. And the example of David directs us to lament and cry out and follow Yahweh. So, 
David was encouraging us, uh, encouraging his audience to pursue Yahweh amid wicked speech. And my second point is that David was praying to Yahweh when surrounded by arrogance. When it seems like there's no godly people in existence and everyone has succumbed to lying, arrogance, and deception, how does David respond? He responds by praying to Yahweh. Verse 3 through 4 reads, May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Those who say, With our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are with us. Who is master over us? There are many celebrities and famous people in this world that are put on pedestals because they use profanity, they are promiscuous, and they have sex appeal. Wickedness is praised and celebrated in our culture. They can say whatever they want to say, and it will probably be quoted or even become viral. Consider YouTube views and Instagram likes and the types of magazines that are glanced upon when we are at the grocery store, Safeway or uh, Trader Joe's doesn't really have it, but Safeway, for example, you see the kind of magazines that are there. And it's all directed towards idols that are greedy, lustful, and prideful. David emphasizes in Psalm 14, 1 through 3, that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and they do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together and they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. The wicked believes that, that there is no God and that they are in charge of their destinies. They willingly make decisions that are an abomination against God's character. No one does good. Judges chapter 17, verse 6 says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. No matter how God chose to reveal himself, even through various judges, the Israelites still turned their back on God. And they decided to worship the various gods of the Canaanites. And in the same way in our current culture, people adamantly use their freedom of speech and their freedom of expression cards to mock God. They think to themselves, I can say what I want. I can express how I feel. There is no God. I can do what I want, how I want, and when I want. I am God. When it seems like the world is at war against us and we need to follow, we need to follow David's example and pray to our God. And that leads me to my third point, that we are promised by Yahweh for deliverance. In verse 5, Yahweh speaks in the first person and says, Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. Yahweh hears the cry of his people and knows that they have been taken advantage of 
mistreated, and marginalized. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 12 reads, You shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or whether he's a sojourner who are in the land within your towns. You shall give him his wages on the same day, before the sun sets, for he is poor and counts on it, lest he cry against you to the Lord and you be guilty of sin. There is a possibility that this is what the psalmist David was observing around in his generation. David cried out to Yahweh instead of settling matters with his own two hands. David was a warrior. He could have killed people with his sword. However, he put the situation in God's hands. And God alone arose, rescued, and provided refuge for his people. We can see in this example about how much God loves his people and will provide security. God will set the record straight. And furthermore, verse 6 provides an immeasurable contrast with the lifestyle, speech, and mentality of the ungodly. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. This is the difference between a truth-manipulating world and the God of truth. We have learned that Yahweh can see, He can see the injustices taking place. He can hear the frustrations of His people. And He only speaks what is true. God's word is pure, and the words of the wicked are blasphemous against a holy God. God's word is so pure to the point that it is indestructible. In A.D. 303, the Roman, the Roman emperor Diocletian ordered to destroy Christians and their Bibles. And on top of scorched and burned Bibles, Diocletian built a plaque and wrote, the name of Christian is extinguished. Diocletian also created a medallion, and on that medallion it's, it, it, had a, uh, it was inscribed, the Christian religion is destroyed, and the worship of the gods restored. Additionally, Voltaire, a French philosopher, emphasized in 1776, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible in the earth except the one that is looked upon by an antiquarian curiosity seeker. Ironically, 100 years later, after Voltaire had already died, his house and press were used to print Bibles by the Geneva Bible Society. In 1778, Voltaire also quoted, it took 12 men to start Christianity, and one will destroy it. He even referred to Jesus Christ as the cursed wretch. And here we are, 244 years later, with access to God's Word and multiple translations. There are even digital options at our disposal. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 emphasizes the grass withers, the flower fades, 
but the word of our God will stand forever. That brings me to my third point, that we are preserved by Yahweh in a vile world. Verse 7 and 8 reads, You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. On every side, the wicked prowl as vileness is exalted among the children of man. In verse 1, the psalmist David was crying out to the Lord for help. But by verse 7, David is taking God at His word and is confident that God is faithful to do what He says. The wicked utter empty words and empty promises, but God has proven that He will accomplish what He says, and it's established in His word. Romans chapter 4, verse 19-21 through 21 reads, He did not weaken in faith when He considered His own body, which was good as dead, since He was about a hundred years old, or when He considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. In the same way that Abraham had faith and trusted that God would fulfill his promise, David was fully convinced as well. And even though the wicked will continue to prowl and vileness will continue to increase, God will still arise. God will still rescue. God will still protect and save His people. God is faithful. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1-5 through reads, But understand this, that in the last days, There will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen in conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. All of the traits of the wicked are listed in detail, and Paul admonishes Timothy in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The wicked will flaunt their disobedience indefinitely, but God has given us his sacred writings. He has given us his word that will help us as we go through the process of sanctification and ultimately guide us to eternal life with Christ. How does Psalm 12 Connect to the gospel, you might ask. Psalm 12 illustrates a never-ending pattern. The wicked speak lies, and they proudly proclaim that they are gods. They don't answer to anyone. And further, 
they take advantage of the poor. They take advantage of the poor and the needy. And Yahweh hears the prayers of His people. Yahweh arises to protect His people, but that doesn't eliminate the wicked from existing or even prevent them from being vile. The wicked still strut around like they are all that and a bag of potato chips. Do we still say that anymore? (laughs) Jesus Christ is the only one that can end the cycle of sin. He died, was buried, and resurrected for the Jews, and also grafted in the Gentiles, you and I. Without Jesus Christ, Psalm 12 would only be encouraging to a Jew. Yahweh will rescue, He will protect, He will provide a pure word for the Jews. But the best thing that Yahweh did for the world is send His Son. Through Yeshua, Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. We are adopted as sons and daughters, and we have eternal life with our triune God. Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life, stated in John chapter 14, verse 6. The wicked may continue to strut around with their pride, but be encouraged, it will come to an end. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 4 reads, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And we're encouraged here because He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And that leads me uh, to a close here of my concluding thoughts. And I would like to ask, what did we learn uh, here from David's example When we are bombarded by the lifestyle, the speech, and the agenda of the ungodly and feel often outnumbered or alone, we need to cry out to God for help. At the point where we want to take matters into our own hands and we slay the wicked, we need to pray to God and trust that vengeance belongs to Him. And as you examine your life, How do you speak to others or even to yourself? Do you tend to bend the truth or speak with a double heart, much like a hypocrite? Or do you speak like God does, with pure words, with truth and nobility? Even though wicked deeds will be exalted and even praised in this world, especially as the days and the years progress, We need to hold fast to God's Word, meditate on His promises, and trust that He is faithful to save, deliver, and protect us. Have you sensed that circumstances in our world today 
have progressively become worse? Consider the media. Some consider everything to be hate speech. The, the uh, catastrophes that are going on, like the earthquake in Afghanistan killing 1,000 and injuring 1,500, and those numbers are probably changing as we speak. Consider COVID-19 and how much has changed in the world as a result. Also consider the reprobate minds of this generation. Men feel like they're women, and women feel like they're men. I would encourage those that have not heard the gospel to repent and believe in Jesus Christ alone for salvation with the understanding there is nothing that you can do in and of yourself to earn salvation. It can only be attained by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And let us pray. Father, we come before you, giving you the glory and the adoration uh, that is due unto your name. We are grateful for Psalm 12 and how it gives us a contrast between how the wicked speak and how they act and how the godly should speak and how, what your word says. And we're praying that by your grace, you would help us to live for your word. You will help us to be doers of the word, be obedient to what you have asked us to do. And we are, we are uh, even encouraged and more confident that you will rescue us, that you will deliver us, and that salvation is sure by grace through faith and in Christ alone. And we ask that you would continue to develop our faith, that we would become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And we're praying that Gateway Church would continue to proclaim the gospel and that wherever we're at, whether we're at our job or with our family or at a grocery store, that we would be willing to proclaim your gospel, that we would be willing to share of your testimony. And Father, we give you the glory uh, that you are continuing to develop us, you are continuing to form us, to be like your son Jesus Christ, and through the Holy Spirit, you help us to understand your word. It, it is illuminated that we can apply it, that we can live it out, and we just pray that in the midst of all this turmoil and in the midst of all of these uh, crazy things that are happening around us, that we understand that you are not shaken by this and we shouldn't be either. That even in our anxiety, even in our uh, you know, fear, we would cry out to you. We wouldn't want to take matters into our own hands. We wouldn't want to go to ungodly protests or things like that that really aren't giving you the praise that you deserve, but that you would use us, that you would lead us to, to cry out to you, to trust that you will work it out, that vengeance is yours, that you will deal with the wicked in a way that we cannot. We will actually just cause more problems. And so just praying that you would lead us by your word, that we would pray, we would seek you no matter what. And we pray, God, that you would help us to apply these psalms in our lives, giving you the glory that is due. And we just pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.